Audio. This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with a great comic and a fine human being, Patrick Susmilch. That's the nicest thing anyone's (laughs) ever said about me. Yeah, I, I really experiment with how I introduce people. I try to say something about what they actually do, and okay. then something positive about them. And oftentimes, uh-huh. uh, I used to just say an awesome person, and that right. was way too much for most people. Like, sometimes yeah, they get actually angry with me. But yeah. a fine human being, do you feel like that's... I think a fine human being is, like, the most anyone can strive for. <laughs> yeah. There's no, like, end goal. You can't be perfect. So, like, fine. Like, you, you're intentional. Yeah. You're trying. You're trying. Yeah. Oh, man, those are two good ideas of my continuing experiment of how to introduce people, because I could say a perfect human being. That's a Oh, God, I would leave. <laughs> you would just get up and leave, flip the table and like, you're oh, out. Oh, this is a cult. I'm out. <laughs> uh, and what was the other thing? Oh, a person who is trying. I am trying. <laughs> I think. I think most people are trying. I think I'm trying, but then everyone else, when they're posting on like social media, is like, oh, I just spent 40 hours today writing my screenplay. I'm like, oh, I played video games and napped yeah but the people who say 40 hours i think a very few of them actually spent 40 hours and others god i hope so 20 hours playing video games too god i hope so (laughs) that's the curse of social media it's you know i would say i think it's like 75 percent honest 75 percent three quarters honest is social media yeah okay yeah, I'm just pulling numbers out of nowhere. I hadn't planned oh, to give a treat on this. That was too honest. Was too, I, don't, I, don't, I hate social media. I'm going to tell you about that, about me right now. I hate social media. You're supposed to be on it to do comedy, but it's like, I don't care if people know what I'm doing. You post on Facebook, but not Twitter. Is that right? Mostly Facebook, some Twitter. Facebook's just easier to... I just like being able to comment on my own statuses, because that's where I... I feel like my comments are where I shine. <laughs> so you're really only posting so you can then make another self-deprecating post about your right. original post that was yeah. perfectly valid and funny? Yeah, like if you see a post and I and you, you go in the comments, it's really just me descending into madness pretty much every time. Okay. All right, so uh, so we've already talked a little bit about who you are, what you do. Uh, mm-hmm. You're you're a stand-up comedian. You're yes. you're doing some writing, some sketch writing. You are originally from Minneapolis. From but Minneapolis, you, like, just moved to Los Angeles. Literally just like, moved here like two weeks ago. Yeah, and you ju- do you mind talking about where you came from? Um, uh, like just now physically? <laughs> oh, oh, I like right now. Yeah. I just came from a two hundred one uh, intensive uh, improv class at uh, UCB on Sunset. Yeah, it was the first day. Fifteen new people. They're all like. So into, like, they're very much improv people, so they're, like, I come in and everyone's, like, strangers, but, like, chatting to each other like they've known each other for decades, and then I show up with my, like, stand-up, like, anxiety and neuroses, and, like, why is everyone talking? And, like, yeah. It's a competition to be the darkest and the yeah, weirdest. Who's, who's the darkest? Who's had the most shit happen to them? Can I swear? Probably. Yes, you can. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's just weird because like I'm just like what are pe- like people ask me questions about my life. I'm like, what are you getting at? Like, what are you probing for? What, <laughs> what are you, you looking for? What are you looking for weakness? And like, no, they're just genuine <laughs> human beings that want to get to know you as a person. They might be looking for weakness. I don't know. I think yeah. they just want to like be friends with people. I think maybe they teach looking for weakness at like the third or fourth level of okay. UCB improv because that yeah. certainly is a part of it. Uh, let's talk about your obsession. I'm so excited. <laughs> tell, tell me about your obsession with is it mountaineering disasters you know, a lot or of, general mountain disasters um you know general mountain disasters mountaineering <laughs> disasters that happen on or around mountains because what happened is about last year my girlfriend and i 
went and saw the movie Everest. Okay. I don't know if you've seen it, but I it's, have not. it's based on uh, this disastrous climb that happened in 1996. Uh, like, John Krakauer was there. He wrote the, the book about it, Into Thin Air. Uh, and then they decided to turn to a movie. And, like, at the end, the person that dies at the end of Everest, which is, like, a huge... Spoiler alert, if you haven't read the news or anything, like, it's like, it just gives, like, a little title. It's like, hey, his body's still up there. And I'm just like, fucking what? Like, there's just bodies around there? And I went and looked it up. There's, like, 250 bodies just along the trails of Mount Everest that are just, like, feet from the trail. Because, like, no one's, like, wandering off. And I just got really too into it and, like, started looking at pictures. And, like, I remember the the night we came back to my girlfriend's place after seeing the movie. I was just on my phone, just, like... <laughs> staring at dead bodies and i was just like i can't stop i don't think i'm i'm sleeping tonight and that ended up being like a few weeks really got into it really so yeah so was it the whole movie the whole story that captured you or was it the specific detail of there are bodies up there that nobody is bothering to bring down i think it's just the whole concept because for mount everest there's like this point it's after eight thousand meters they call it the dead zone where you just kind of slowly die and the idea (laughs) Sorry, I don't know. I'm no, particularly it's, it's dark so, today, I guess. It's so like, ridiculous. Ha, 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 that's so funny that you die on a mountain. They, even, they talk about it like, oh, once you get to this point, your body just kind of slowly dies, and you want to hope to get to the top and back before you die. So, I just, mean, that's like video game shit. That is like video game shit. You got like the little like temperature meter in yeah. the corner, and it's like, find the fires or you'll die. And it's just so crazy that people go to this area where they know they're going to slowly die, and they're just like... Yeah, tight. That's what I'm about. And so the movie is just people slowly dying for two and a half hours, which I found compelling. Uh, The movie didn't get great reviews, which I also agree with, because it is literally people dying for two and a half hours for no no reason. There's no, like, struggle. Yeah. There's no, like, interpersonal conflict. It's like, oh, I wanted to climb this mountain, and it cost a bunch, so I'm going to try. And then people just kind of... this is a documentary, right? The the Everest is not. It is a... uh, historical fiction it's not even really a dramatization it's just kind of like a complete recount of what happened based on um, a book there's this guy and you've probably seen pictures of him he got lost for a while and he got back and like he lost all his fingers and like his nose fell off and they had to like grow a nose on his forehead and like cut it down and shit it they was, grew a nose on his forehead yeah it was like a really big deal in the 90s because like look at this crazy ass plastic surgery shit so they, <laughs> they somehow found a way to like grow a nose on his forehead they cut it flipped it down like sewed it up and that was like a huge deal but anyway he wrote a book and for whatever reason people made the movie chose that book instead of john krakauer's book because i guess it was more expensive to option john krakauer's book <laughs> uh john krakauer in the movie, like, there's this point where people are lost on the mountain and they come back, like, we gotta go find them. And John Krakauer's just like, no, I'm sleeping, and, like, turns his back to the <laughs> tent. And it's like, you already didn't pay this dude money. Why are you making him a dick in yeah. the movie? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, did you go and read some of the books that it was based on? I did. I ended up reading Into Thin Air. Uh, that was a really uh, compelling book. And just the way he describes it, it's just like, how could anyone read this and actually want to climb Mount Everest? Like, he talks about how, like, you'll take, like, one step, breathe heavily for, like, two minutes, take another step, like, breathe heavily. Like, there's just no oxygen, so you kind of go crazy. You don't even really remember where you are. And it just sounds genuinely awful. So after seeing this movie, you got enchanted with this i got weirdly enchanted <laughs> and then you read the books read the book yes did you come away from the book or the movie with a better understanding of 
why people do it. Did you? Is it anything more than just the sort of it is there, it is a challenge, and we as humans strive to defeat challenges when we see them. So we will go to this mountain and beat it and therefore prove that we are alive. Like People are always very, like, they don't completely reference their lives, but, like, a lot of people, like, uh, the guy that had, like, his nose, like, the nose fall off, like, he was having, like, troubles at home. Okay. And I, I don't know if just these mountains become, like, easily identifiable, like, goals. They're like, oh, I can climb this mountain and then like my problems will go away or like i don't know if it's just people that are just having troubles in their lives or what like like i go i go rock climbing but like i would never want to climb mount everest okay so why do you go rock climbing i do it's scary and i do enjoy uh the scariness like i was really afraid of heights uh and just so like getting over that fear was a lot of fun um it's very it's very physical which is great Cause like I used, I used to go to like a regular gym all the time. And there's oh only, really? There's only so many times you can like bench press or whatever before you're just fucking bored. Right. There's like no narrative to it. It's just yeah, like a no, montage in real yeah, life. There's no narrative. It's just like, well, fast. I pushed a thing and then I brought it back down and then I pushed it again. And like we go rock climbing, like every route is different and there's different ways to do it. And it's kind of like a puzzle you're solving with your brain and your body. So oh, so you mean real rock climbing? Yeah. I was like, picturing like, like REI and like a, a rock wall in a retail store. Well, not, you're, you're I mean, these through. are like climbing gyms. I haven't okay. gone climbing outside. I've gone bouldering outside once and that was... What is bouldering? Bouldering is, is like a rock climbing where you stay pretty close to the ground. You don't have to like rope in or anything. Nice. Um, and I, I went with a friend to Taylor's Falls, Minnesota, and there were some boulders and he's like, oh, we're going to have, they have like pads. You can, you could, you, they're portable. You bring them, you set them down, you're going to go boulder. So if you fall, you don't like break your spine. He's like, I got these pads. It's going to be great. So I went with him. He's like, oh, I forgot the pads. And I was like, what? So we're just like <laughs> bouldering. We're just like sharp rocks and everyone is like doing these crazy moves. And I'm like, you know what? I'm good. So you didn't do it. I did it like a little bit. And I was like, this is not worth it there's like an acceptable risk to fun ratio that that was exceeding for me so yeah so you sound like you do have like a healthy respect for i'm gonna do this scary thing to get over a fear yeah but i'm not willing to rip my back open over it yeah yeah i mean i've taken some falls while rock climbing that were pretty terrifying that i think really helps temper that like i think that's like early on like i bet if i was like crushing it <laughs> when i first started i'd be like whatever mountains fucking take them all like let's do it <laughs> i can beat you mountain yeah um were you already uh, rock climbing and bouldering when you saw the everest movie yeah it was about six months into my rock climbing so I think that helped because I was like, oh, look at these, look at all these rocks and stuff. And, <laughs> and then just as sh shit got worse, I was just like, oh, geez. You're pulled into the yeah. human drama. I don't know. There's just something compelling to me about people dying and like knowing they're dying. Yeah. And like dealing with that. Yeah. So let's get back to the bodies then. Okay. It sounds yeah. like the bodies are what hooked you. It is what hooked me because it's just it's just this cavalierness about it. There's just bodies and people just hike by them like within feet. And it's just crazy. There's like over 250 known bodies on so Mount Everest. Why do the bodies just not come down because it is uh, too difficult? Or It's it too difficult. It's just like so high up that it's like a struggle just to walk in a straight line. So just to go off a couple feet to try and like pull a push a body it would just be like a complete... A waste of strength and very much puts you in danger. Yeah. 
Are they respected though at this point where people know like, hey, when I'm climbing up Everest, there are maps and I know that I've just passed Steve. Right. So I'm, I'm, this is a moment of honor. It didn't sound honorable when I just named a corpse (laughs) Steve, but. No, the weird thing is, is that some bodies seem to have like a reverence and some don't. Like there's. Oh, wow. Even in death, there's hierarchy. Right. Like there's. So the weirdest thing is that there's this area where there's like a the biggest proliferation of bodies is referred to as Rainbow Valley. I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's called Rainbow Valley. <laughs> if because you told me that, I would think it was a Mario level. It, uh, no, it's not. It's really dark because it's not like, oh, it's fun or like some real pretty scenery. No, it's because of all the multicolored down snowsuits of all the corpses. Wow. So they call it Rainbow Valley. And I don't know if that's disrespectful or if it's kind of like a like a nudge, like, yeah, we might die up here kind of thing. Um, there's some bodies, like there's this, a woman, uh, Francis, uh, she got like, they put like a flag over her corpse okay. uh, from the country she's from. I can't remember where she's from. I think Australia. There's a few other bodies you'll see. They get like Canadian flags or something. And then there's just some bodies that's just like a dude, like kind of like prone with like an arm up, just frozen stiff. People are like, nah, we're just going to let that guy just it hang is- out there. Just whatever. Did you make a point of learning about all all of the bodies, all of the people who died. I didn't make it a point. I just kind of, it just sort of happened. Like as you were reading and getting just into as it? as reading. Because like, you, there's many articles about this on the internet. A lot of it's just kind of clickbaity things where like a blog writer clearly had a quota of blogs. <laughs> and they're like, I don't know, bodies on Everest. And it's just copy paste. But like, there's just, there's a few like really prominent uh, like George Mallory's body. He was a guy who, like, the one of the first people that really tried to climb it in 1924 uh, and then just kind of disappeared. Okay. And people were like, did he make it or did he not? And then in 1999, his body was found with, like, head trauma and, like, broken stuff. And like, oh, okay, he's might have made it, but he's for sure died on the mountain. Were they looking for him or did they just happen to find him? They just kind of happened to find him. Um, the thing that's crazy to me um, is there's this uh, there's this Indian climber towards the top and kind of like a little like nook like a crevice in the rock uh, and he is named green boots because he's wearing green boots and he's like a famous like mile marker it's like oh you got to green boots cave like you're almost to the top okay. and that is like they do because it's just such a barren expanse they do start using the bodies as like trail guides which is just insane to me Okay, so you obviously have a connection it resonates with you for some reason do you for yourself see it as like an honor to kind of somehow live on as a part of the mountain and as a part of the story or is it more like existential dread troubling to you that these corpses are just sitting there i think what's most compelling about it to me is that like you do kind of become part of the mountain part of the experience like if you or i were like to die around here like in a car accident or something in los like, angeles yeah. yeah you like you get carted away cremated or buried or whatever but like you die on Mount Everest and that's just that's just where you are now. Yeah. Like like Mallory's body is up there for almost a hundred years now. You're just you're there. Yeah. There's like it's like you're your own tombstone. And like in a weird way you kinda live on Yeah. Like with a, a strange mix of respect and disrespect, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, like a really like people respect you, but I think they're they know that that could easily be them, so they're kinda like cavalier about it but it's just such a weird combo of yeah. respect and disrespect and it's just so interesting to me that you get to like live on in some way 
would you ever want that to like in a strange uh, change in our tradition, our culture <laughs> for that to happen in the real world for there to at least not that bodies were necessarily left there, but like if we both suddenly had a heart attacks right now and we died yeah. in this apartment right. uh, while we're recording a podcast, like just like that would be tradition that like, well, whoever lives here again, they're going to have these markers on the wall that <laughs> these two these, died, just died these right desiccated here. desiccated corpses talking into microphones. <laughs> terrible podcast heart attack accident happened at yeah. this exact spot you can yeah. live here in this apartment now but, but like we're you our... always have to know that a, a life passed here right the, the podcasters <laughs> well, i'm wearing a cat shirt so i'd be cat shirt i don't know what you would be i got a star wars shirt okay you'd be a hoodie <laughs> star wars shirt hoodie guy yeah, oh you would guy. see a lot of those yeah there'd be a lot i think you couldn't have that in like los angeles because Within a year, you would just be, like, snow plowing bodies off the streets. <laughs> yeah, the actual bodies are certainly, like, just, but uh, maybe, oh, man, this is dark. I don't even know if I should go here, but almost like... Uh, is it darker than what we've been talking about? <laughs> no, but, like, you know, have you played Pokemon Go at all? Oh, yeah, I almost started playing on the way here, but... <laughs> but you know how, like, that's almost a digital way that, like, you see the real world, but things are marked there. Yeah. It's so, like, you could even have, like, a Who Died Here app. And that would be a way to, like, digitally mark, like, that, oh, physically the, where people were when they passed. That would be super dark, but I would be, I'm going to be honest, I'd be into that. <laughs> like, there's, like, tours of, like, that. Like, we were like, oh, this is where some famous person died outside this restaurant. Like, there's actual, like, L.A. tours you can go on. Like, oh, here's where, I was going to say a name, but they're not actually dead. I was going to say Pete Townsend, but he's not <laughs> dead. But Here's where Pete Townsend will die. What? Creepy. Yeah, I think there'd be a lot of people like me and like goth teenagers that would love that app. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's something, there is something about it that's in this weird chasm between respect and disrespect where it's like a little macabre and a little gothy and a little teenage, yeah. but also a little like, we, we do only concentrate on death when we can make it really clean and safe. Yeah. Or when it's uh, like a famous person was murdered here. Right. And to just be like, a normal person was living their life and they passed and here's yeah. what happened. There's something about that to me that's almost respectful, even though right. it's really weird. And and maybe part of it with like the people that die on mountains is just the the fact that like for most of these people, it isn't like they had a horrible accident. They were just kind of going and then they sat down and then just stopped. Right. And people just slowly die and I don't know if we talk about this, but like people will hike by you while you're slowly dying. What? Yeah. So well, let me come back to that in just a okay, second. Okay. Because we're talk talking about all this death. I just want to get a sense of like a lot of people, though, do just make it to the top of Everest, right? Like, yeah. A few hundred a year. A few hundred a year. Okay. Yeah. So people do make it. Yeah. Great. Okay. So somebody's climbing. Yeah. Somebody else is sitting there dying. Why can't the climbers help the person who's dying? There's a lot of reasons. Uh, one, again, like we talked, it's like so tiring. And like John Krakauer said, you can barely move your feet. That there's not really a lot you can do. Like you're not going to have the strength to drag them back down the mountain. So a lot of people are afraid. And this has happened a couple of times. They stop to try and help someone. And then they also are now dead. Okay, because you just, you have to use all of your right. your energy when you're yeah. in that death is coming yeah, like, it's such a weird thing. Like, if you stop moving, that greatly increases your chance of dying. So you'll be, like, super tired. And if you, like, sit to rest, you freeze. Yeah. And, like, you know, whatever parts of your brain are still alive. But, like, people, like, literally, like, they will start freezing solid, almost like a cartoon. 
Wow. Or like at the end of The Shining. So this is all Everest based. This is this but is did you just Everest. Go stuff. looking into other mountain disasters, or are you just Everest based? Uh, Everest is, I think, the most uh, classic example. All of the mountains that are like really high, like there's the like there's the seven summits, which is the the highest mountain on each continent. Uh, Everest is the one for uh, I think Asia. Any of these really high mountains, after a certain point, is just kind of bodies. Okay, so the Everest story translates to but other Everest, mountains like it. The, yeah, and the interesting thing about Everest is that it is the tallest mountain in the world, and it is hard, but there's also... It's said that on a clear day, like, any able-bodied person could climb Mount Everest, so what ends up happening is that there's a lot of, like, expedition adventure companies that will be like, oh, give us thousands of dollars, we'll lead you up the mountain. So what happens is that a lot of people who are inexperienced climbers... Okay go to climb and they don't they don't know what they're doing so one everest is overcrowded which is very interesting so like they're like you can see pictures and it's just a line of people hooked into these lead ropes just waiting because someone's like doing a particularly hard move so there's a lot of standing around and waiting just because of overcrowding and that's when a lot of people die because they're waiting and they're also inexperienced Uh, so everest i think just has like the most bodies okay because it's a tourist trap. It's, it's a tourist trap, um, and you can read more about it. Everest, especially closer to base camp, is just covered in trash. Yeah. It's just, oh, really? It's just covered in garbage and human waste. Uh, it's just bizarre. How high up is base camp? Is it like at the base of the mountain, or is it like um, kind of halfway up? It's like 14,000 feet to, okay. to maybe 19. I don't remember. But. And is there no one in charge of... Of keeping Everest beautiful? Is there um, no Smokey the Bear type character for uh, Everest? <laughs> it's like, don't fucking do that. They're trying. They're trying really hard to do that. There's a new thing. Well, not new, but relatively new in the past decade. To You have to get like a permit to climb Mount Everest from Nepal. Nepal and Tibet are the two sides you can climb from, I think. Okay. If anyone writes in, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's been a while. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, I did watch a movie about Everest on the airplane back from Minneapolis, but it was dumb. But anyway, <laughs> they have a thing like you you try and bring back as many pounds of garbage as gear you brought back. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if there's like a way station on the way back <laughs> that they check, but like there's still a lot of trash. A lot of crime, too, apparently. Oh, crime? Yeah. Like people attacking other people on people, the mountain? People attacking other people, people stealing. Oh, stealing like equipment? Stealing equipment or supplies and stuff. It's very, it's very weird. Part people think maybe it's part of it is because, you know, that elevation is still pretty high up, and you have like hypoxia where there's not enough oxygen in your brain, which can kind of make you kind of aggressive and a dick. There's a book called High Crimes that's about that. Yeah, you're definitely changing my perspective of what yeah. mountain climbing is because you think yeah. of it as something like that an adventurer does, not something where you might suddenly become a dick yeah. against your will. You know, you think like it's this like noble like Sierra Club thing where you're going and like appreciating nature. But what actually it is is like business people or like business owners. They'll go, they'll have like their oxygen tank, and when it's depleted, they just throw it to the side. They don't oh. do anything. So there's just there's just shit everywhere. Yeah. Like literal human shit everywhere. Uh, there's actually been like outbreaks of bacteria on base camp because how you get water on Everest is you just melt snow. But now okay. there's just literally shit everywhere so you go so, to melt some snow and, and you it's might been discover contaminated okay great <laughs> no it's 
I don't even know what like the personal goal is anymore because literally hundreds of people are doing it every year. So obviously you're fascinated with the disaster. There's certainly, uh, I think, it sounds like some amount of reflection on the contrast of what you expected it to be versus what it is right. that fascinates you. You don't want to climb Everest yourself. I mean, I'm sure part of me does, yes. Yeah. I think I would not reach the top. I think I would be uh, careful because there's so many ways to die. Sorry to just tap the table. The microphones are on. You just you can just die. Yeah. You can get uh, because of the high altitude, you get pulmonary edema where like your lungs just fill with fluid. Yeah. Or, like a cerebral edema where your brain just fills with fluid. They have this thing called high altitude cough where it's because of the, the really because of the high altitude, you breathe really like heavily and quickly. And because the air is so exceedingly dry, you like literally dry out your lungs and they start like cracking and bleeding. And that's. A way you can die okay. with that cough. People have actually broken their ribs coughing so hard. God, there's so many ways to die up <laughs> yes, there. It sounds like just like and the, I, the worst menu that right, I've ever and heard I, and recited. I think, I think people think of, of rock climbing like, oh, you take like a wicked ass fall down thousands of feet. And it's like, no, you just coughed yourself to death or like diarrheaed yourself to death. <laughs> okay, so if you had to be involved in a mountaineering disaster of okay. some kind. Okay. If you were climbing a mountain. Yeah. And this was... A disaster that you could survive. What kind of thing would you want to have happen to you that would actually like increase your obsession? Where it's like, wow, I did this scary thing. A weird or awful thing happened, but I survived, and I'm still into mountain disasters. Probably like a like a storm, like a bad storm where I'd have to like basically what you do is you just kind of dig yourself a little hole in the snow and hide <laughs> in it. That'd probably be one that it would be okay. Uh, injuries scare me. There's a documentary and a book that's called Touching the Void. It's on Netflix. I don't have you seen it? No, no, no. The, uh, the, the title probably wouldn't have jumped out to me. No, it's not well, I'm sure some people saw it and were like, Oh, this sounds sexy, but <laughs> it's it's not. It's about Sounds like a very sexy about, HP Lovecraft. It's about story. rock climbing. It's these two is these two dudes climbed this uh mountain that hadn't been climbed before in the Peruvian Andes. Uh and they got to the top and then there's a horrible storm and they were coming down and the one dude fell and like just broke the shit out of his leg. Okay. Uh, later, when he finally got back, they found out that his, uh, I can't remember the name of the lower bone, your shin bone or whatever, like telescoped into like his femur. Okay, that's disturbing. Yeah. And so they were, so he was, he had his leg broken and they were like, fuck, we're on this goddamn mountain and no one knows we're here except this, there's this dude they picked up that they were just having chill at their base camp. So were, the plan was they would lower the injured guy down on a rope that was attached to the uninjured guy. Then that guy would sit, and then that guy would climb back down, and they just keep lowering him. But it was because of the storm, and it got dark, so the guy accidentally lowered the injured dude just off a cliff. And just dangled in there. It was just in the dang, void. It just dangling in there. In, yeah, in the void. That's where he touching the it. void. <laughs> he touched it. So he was just dangling like 30 feet off this cliff um, because of the storm and because of the way the cliff works. The dude on top couldn't hear. So after about an hour, the guy was losing his grip and had to make this horrible call to cut the rope, even though he knew his friend was still alive. Uh, so that dude falls into 90 feet into like a like a ice crevasse. Okay. You know, like that weird ass ice cave on Hoth or whatever. Just oh, yeah. Like the Wampa looks, Cave. Yeah. yeah. It just kind of looks like that. And like the dude like, he's like, why aren't I dead? <laughs> and so he was just on like this thin little ice shelf. Uh, he still had some rope. Uh, he describes it in the documentary in the book of just him, like him crying and yelling yeah. at this completely dark cave. Uh, it was just like a little headlamp. And he's like, I had to sleep, but I didn't want to turn the headlamp off and realize where I was. Uh, and after like hours of like 
crying and waiting for death. It didn't happen. And he's like, I guess I got to try and get out of here. So what he did. And this is still the guy with the broken leg. This is the dude with the broken ass leg. Uh, so he like, you know, puts a little anchor in. He's got rope left from when it got cut. Uh, he decides to just lower himself into this abyss he can't see. And he even says at the, uh, that he didn't make a point to like tie like a knot at the end of the rope. He just wanted it, if he ran out of rope, to just be able to fall and die. Okay. Uh, and he, go, he climbs down. There's actually like a, a surface down there. He sees it. There's like some sunlight that he can see that he, he, he finally gets to it after like just trying to climb on his fucking hobbled ass leg. So he gets out. He hobbles miles and miles for days. Finally gets back to the the base camp that his friend had gotten to and was like, try, he was like literally trying to come with like, what are the lies I can tell people so they don't know that I cut his rope? Right. That I dangled him in the void and then just cut him free. Right. And so like literally hours before that, like that dude refused to leave while his the friend they picked up was like, we eventually have to go. We're out of supplies. And the dude finally came hours before their plan to head out, like early in the morning. And uh, what was what was the craziest thing is that they could just kind of hear the dude like very whimperingly like saying his friend's name. And the guy that they brought, whose name I can't remember, genuinely thought he was like a ghost and like wouldn't help him. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like he, th- this is all hot stuff. Like he yeah. thought he was Obi-Wan Kenobi saying, go to Dagobah. Yeah. No, he's like, I, there was, he's like, he's like, I ain't fucking no zombie. Like, so like. <laughs> and God, it's just. So fucking crazy. So obviously he accepted that his friend who had survived touching the void was actually alive and they made it back yeah. to a human civilization to share this yeah, disturbing story. Yeah, they, uh, they made it back. Uh, the climbing community uh, hated the dude that cut the rope where the other guy had to like do press conferences and be like, no, this dude is my friend. Um, this is what he had to do. Otherwise, we both would have died. And he saved my life when I got back. And it's so... Crazy. Yeah. So, okay, you obviously, you have memorized these stories to the point where you can recite them. You have encyclopedic knowledge of how the body can the, well, explode yeah. and collapse. Yeah, so, I saw the documentary for Touching the Boy and then read the book. And the book is like, like for as hard as that sounded, the book is so much crazier. And the thing that really stuck out to me that's so dumb as a person with bad vision is that the guy who was injured... He was talking about coming down, and he's like, I've been wearing my contacts for five days. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> Do you know well, how no much that he... would suck? Yeah, well, that's probably how he, he stayed alert. He slept in them. That, like, sharp pain in your eyes yeah. when you keep your contacts on. Yeah. That's pro- it probably saved his life. It probably saved his life. And these were 1985 contacts, so they're probably, like, the oh, hard glass contacts. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's amazing he didn't drop them. Yeah. In the void. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I dropped my contact in the void. So you know... So much of what can happen. But you're still doing rock climbing, which I understand is not as dangerous as actual mountain climbing. How do you deal with the fear? Because you said you did rock climbing and bouldering because Mm -hmm. you're already afraid of heights. Yeah. You are obsessed with different ways the body can explode and collapse. Oh, there's so many ways. So how do you deal with the fear when you're and get yourself to the point where you can be climbing? I think a lot of it is that I don't actually like maybe push myself as as hard as I, I could like just the other day i was uh climbing with a friend we were doing some lead climbing and that's where there's top rope climbing where like the rope goes up and like through like a just a hook and then back down yeah uh, and then there's lead climbing where you have like the little clamps that you're or carabiners that you hook the rope into okay. as you go up and we were doing that and it was doing like an easy route and sometimes you just get into your own head and what happened to me i was just like 
oh, if I fall, I'm going to fall a bunch. And I was like, ah, fuck this. And I'm just like, let me down. Like, you just, you just have to know when to give up. I think that's how I deal with the fear is just being like, not today. Okay. So you, you approach it as something where you do not need to excel. It's just a thing you're right. doing. And if at any point, it's like eating a sandwich, you're like, you know, I don't need the rest of this sandwich. I'm full. I don't, I'm done. I don't identify with that. I've got <laughs> problems with overeating. Um, All right. I used to weigh a lot more. And how I've learned to deal with that is I just, like when I eat meals, I'll, I'll yeah. eat all the meal. And then I just stay away from snacks because I cannot snack responsibly. <laughs> okay. So you're a more responsible climber than you are than I am snacker. at eating. Yeah. <laughs> Probably heart disease is what will kill me. <laughs> uh maybe on a mountain maybe not yeah who knows uh cool cool yeah. but I, I think that's a a it's a great way to look at something that is always sold to us as being extreme push right. yourself you know you didn't know you could do it so go an extra step farther and i yeah. really like that you're like nah man i'm done yeah it's I'm like good. Nah, i'm good <laughs> i'm good i'm gonna go back down to the ground where it's safe yeah uh, i also wanted to ask you because you're a comedian and you're a writer yes if somebody came to you and said we would like a television show about mountain disasters. Yeah, I would do that so do hard. It? I would what, do it so hard. What would it be like? I don't know. I imagine it would be me following expeditions and just being a real goof about it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it would be like. Because like, all of these documentaries that you see, they're, like, they're all very serious. And I understand yeah. you can die. But like, well, it's goof, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Did, what would you call it? When you're trying to have a sense of, you, you recognize that it's morbid, that uh, death and uh, life and death stakes, but you're trying to have a little bit of fun and humanity. A little bit, with of, it. little bit of humor. Yeah. Uh, you're really just asking me to improv some like jokes right here. I'm like, oh Christ. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you don't. You can talk it through. Probably have like a pun. Yeah. Oh sure. Mountain puns. So there's a type of handhold that's like really like just a little bit of edge you put your fingers on. Uh, those yeah. are called those are called crimps. Maybe I'd call it Big Crimpin'. Greenlit, as far as I'm concerned. Thank, awesome. All <laughs> I need is money. <laughs> hey guys, this is Sarah Meyer, co-producer of this show. And this week I've come down to the beach in Venice to ask people how they feel about mountain disasters. Uh, not that those two things are related, except the most ominous fog I've ever seen has just rolled in. So we'll see how this goes. Do you enjoy watching movies or reading books about mountain disasters? Not really. Not at all. No. <laughs> no, not about disasters, no. Uh, I actually did see Everest, yeah. which was good. I won't climb it, but I mean, I'll watch movies about it all day. Do you think they'll ever make an Everest 2? Yeah, this is a season of sequels right now. There Everest. is? Yeah. Doesn't everybody die? I haven't seen it. <laughs> Do you enjoy movies or books about uh, mountain disasters? Yeah, those are always fun. Those, those can be a lot of fun because you get to see the earth change, you know, and mountains come down and fall down and crumble. That's kind of cool. I, I mean, I'm, I'm waiting for that to happen like in Catalina Island where like it just kind of falls down into the, the water and the sharks will get the people and it'll be like a real live Jaws. That'd be kind of cool. But there's a lot of sharks out here, you know. And if you don't like the sharks here, you can go to that site. I think they got one called Plenty of Fish, you know, so there's sharks in there too. So just to connect this back to mountain, how did this start? We were talking about mountain disasters, which led to talk about the ocean, yeah, which led to sharks, sharks, which led to fish. Which led to fish. So many losers on Plenty of Fish. Let's just stick with that topic right now. You know, my cousin went through it, and um, she met some guy uh, who lived down the street from her brother. His name is Robert. I think the guy's kind of a loser. She's always been with losers, so I think it's a loser site for losers. Do you free associate like this a lot? Yeah, it goes from thing to thing. Okay, have you ever climbed a mountain? Once, yes, actually once, in Ecuador. 
you really got to drink a whole lot of water or else you, yeah, you'll pass out real quick. Did you see people pass out? I saw one. Pretty sure it's because she was eating a bag of Doritos on the way up. Have you ever climbed a mountain? Yeah, we did just like two days ago. Yeah, we went We went up to the Griffith Observatory. I'm not sure that counts as a mountain. <laughs> oh, okay. Would you ever climb Mount Everest? No. Would you climb Mount Everest? Oh, no. No, because you got you to gotta go up the mountain and then back down just for practice to get used to the elevation. And the water would probably freeze faster than, than you get up there, right? You're very concerned with hydration. How are you hydrated today? No. We got to get him some water. So cute. What's his name? This is my boy Shadow. He's a rescue. Hi, Shadow. Okay, I'm going to put the mic right up to him. <laughs> is that the sound you made when you were climbing a mountain? Yes, that's exactly it. Would you take, uh, would you take Shadow to climb a mountain? No, he's not. He's already breathing too heavy out here. We're going to move on to our How Obsessed Are You questions. Uh, <laughs> these are questions that I ask everybody. Uh, you can feel free to answer them however you want, as honestly as you want, or as jokey as you want, whatever you want. Uh, there's no judgment. I just like seeing uh, across all of the podcasts what people's different level of obsession is. Uh, so, do you think about mountain disasters every day? Every day? Every day. <sighs> Not every day, no, but multiple times a week. Okay. But it sounds like you're pretty actively watching and reading right now. Yeah. Every time something comes along. Like, I was on a Delta flight last night that had, like, well, you get the TVs in the seat in, the in front seats, of you. Yeah. And I was, like, scrolling through the movies, and there was, like, this Japanese movie called Everest, Summit of the Gods. And I was like, well, I guess I got to watch this. <laughs> and I watched it. And it was dumb because this guy was, like in Kathmandu and found like whoa George Mallory's camera in a antique shop and then like found this like legendary climber and then they climbed Everest and the guy died and then the dude was like whoa is this mountains a fictional movie or is this fictional movie okay. yeah okay. and it was just it was not good yeah but you felt compelled I was like I have to okay it's did, there I have to watch it did you feel compelled because you are so obsessed or do you feel compelled because mountain disasters are becoming a part of your brand <laughs> I don't know. It's just with these mountaineering disaster like documentaries. Like, why am I watching them? Because they're there, you know. Yeah. That's... <laughs> just like climbing the mountain. Yeah, it's just like that's my Everest is Everest documentaries. Like, can I watch another one? Cool. Would you wear pajamas that have a depiction of a famous mountain disaster on them? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I probably. I I would feel bad. I would not wear them out in public. I wouldn't wear other pajamas out in public because that's where I am in my life. But it would have to be like people like dangling from ropes or just like dead. And that might be a bit much to yeah. have to explain to people. Yeah. What if it was just like uh, really subtle, like only you could really understand it. Like it looked like it was, you know, it's, it's a top and a bottom mm -hmm. pajamas. And, a, and it's clearly like people climbing mountains. But like maybe you recognize it way off in the distance. That is green boots. I would wear the shit out of that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. When people walk into your home, can they tell you're obsessed with mountain disasters? No. But also, I don't have a home right now. I'm staying. <laughs> you just moved here. I'm yeah. staying with uh, some comedy people. I think. I think someday, yes, they will be. In that shitty Everest movie I was watching last night, this guy had like, like a little model of Everest, and I was like, oh, I would love that. Oh, yeah. I would put that in there. Maybe put little dead Lego guys on there. <laughs> so you would like a, you would extend your obsession to buying things that yeah. physically represent it. Yeah. Maybe I could just make posters for like green boots. Yeah. It'd be like an old like rock concert poster. It'd be like <laughs> green boots at 
Everest. Coachella. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. So you you have a girlfriend? Yes. <laughs> sounded really true. You have a girlfriend? Um, do you, Is she going to come move to Los Angeles with you? Yes. We're both staying at that uh, okay. comedy friend's place. How does your girlfriend feel about your mountain disaster obsession? If when you get your place in L.A. and you're like, yeah. Hey, uh, I got this great, huge mountain disaster poster. Would okay. she be like, "That's great"? Or would she be like, That's "I think not the I way. think she would be super into it"? Because uh, so, like, my girlfriend uh, used to be an air traffic controller. Used to work for the FAA. So she fucking loses her mind for airplane disasters. <laughs> so kind of what ended up happening for a while is like, you want to watch this thing about people dying on a mountain? She's like, "Yeah." Do you want to watch this thing about people dying in a plane? And I'm like, "Yeah." And we just like trade off like there's this show on netflix called air disasters and it's just this british weekly show it's like here's a new way people died on an airplane and i'm like tight let's fucking get in there (laughs) and it's usually always just like a pilot being like a dick is there just a mutual understanding between the two of you that you're uh considering the realities of of mortality or do you like discuss after a movie how it made you feel about death maybe we should (laughs) I don't know. I never even thought about it. I just was like, oh, look at this. This is interesting. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm happy to provide that service of yeah. unwanted counseling. I mean, That's boy, if, you, if you want to talk about people dying in airplanes, uh, my girlfriend's name is Carolyn. You should, you should talk to her. She, will tell, she can talk to you for hours about this disaster. Tenerife? Oh, it was like the biggest airplane disaster in history. Yeah. Multiple documentaries. Multiple uh, documentaries. Uh, I'm sold. It's, it's crazy. I'm you sold. Should, it's yeah, it's bad shit. I'll let a little space uh, pass no. between this podcast. No, I'm calling her right now, and I'm like, Carolyn, get down here. Get down here. This guy loves talking about disasters. This guy loves dead people. <laughs> Next uh, How Obsessed Are You question is, would you write a poem about mountain disasters? <laughs> I never even thought about it, but yeah. Does it have to be good? No. Oh, yeah, I'll write one. I'll write one later. I'll send it in. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Now, I mean, you are a person who expresses yourself artistically. Yes. And I think your stand-up in a... I mean, this is a compliment. Your stand-up reads is very written in yeah. that it is very precise. Yeah. Uh, and in your, your writing. So how much have you worked mountain disasters into the writing that you, you do already? Uh, I do have about a seven-minute long bit about uh, people dying on Mount Everest. Okay. So it's not that far of a stretch to sit down yeah. and say, I'm going to express this in another artistic form. Right. Like, I've, I've wanted to try and write a sketch about mountain disasters, uh, which hasn't come out. The interesting thing about mountain disasters is that, for whatever reason, like, the Russian climbers are always the biggest dicks. Already or when they hit the dick level of the mountain? In addition to the baseline dick mountain climber. They're like extra dick. They're okay. like, we're going to use oxygen. And they're just like, look at fucking, just like jerk off motion. They're just like huge. They're very proud about it. I don't okay. know. About being just, are, are they dicks to other people? Or just they're defiant that the they're better than everybody? At More like that. Just kind of, just kind of, yeah, that defiance. Like, okay. we're better. We're from Russia. We're best at mountains. Yeah. Screw you all. We're best at mountains. <laughs> Is that in your stand-up? No. From the Russians? I don't, I don't know how to. Okay. It's too much. It's too like it's a little too cra- weird. But then that's great material for the poem. Yeah. To write from the perspective of Russian dicks on a mountain. Yeah. Uh, would you or uh, have you edited the Wikipedia page about mountain disasters? I have not. Would you? 
you know, if I saw something that was pretty glaringly wrong, I might have to sign up and get in there. Yeah. Or show up in the comments section. Like, come on, guys, what is this? <laughs> have you read uh, stuff on Wikipedia about it? Is that where you get some of your information, or do you get your information all from more trusted sources than Wikipedia? Uh, Wikipedia is definitely where uh, where you start, and then you kind of <laughs> climb, branch off. If a bear was blocking you from watching a documentary about an, a mountain disaster, mm-hmm. would you try to get around the bear? Uh, what kind of bear are we talking about? Uh, let's see. Let's say that it is a black bear. Okay. All right. And this is a black bear in my home? Uh, let's say that there is a uh, documentary okay. playing at uh, the Arclight here in Hollywood. All right. I okay. can't afford that, but that's going to be the different barrier. <laughs> Every, everybody bear, finds a barrier. Way. <laughs> huh? Uh, huh? Uh, hey, All puns. right, I'm out. Right. <laughs> Did it? Killed it? Nailed it? Crushed it? Uh, uh, I'm gonna be honest. I I'd be like, I'm out. You're out. I'm not gonna fight a bear to watch a documentary. So, but if if I told you, okay, you didn't have to fight the bear. I don't have to fight the bear. You just needed to get around the bear. Just get around the bear. You can still say no. No, no, no. I, yeah, I you, think I would try to get around the bear. Okay. Yeah. How do you feel about bears and other uh, animals that uh, can maul and kill you? Because obviously you're into mountain disasters. Yeah. Uh, I do a lot animals of animals are part of this yeah. sort of the nature yeah. disaster world. Uh, I do a lot of I do a lot of hiking, uh, and I don't I don't have any fear for like the the wildlife. Like my dad's always like, "Watch out for cougars," and I'm like, "Why are you so obsessed <laughs> that a cougar is gonna kill me on in like Runyon Canyon where there's like." little kids and like people in high heels just like strutting away like i don't think a cougar is gonna single me out they're gonna yeah. go for the tasty children but whatever yeah do you feel like you're not afraid of the animals because you have a certain amount of chill like if a cougar looked at you you could just look at the cougar like whatever it's no problem i'm no threat to you that is part of it i'm also a surprisingly clumsy and uncoordinated person so i'm not at all quiet <laughs> with my hiking and that's kind of the biggest thing is to make as much noise as possible which i do just you hike loud i hike loud and i hike i was gonna say hard but i don't i hike medium how do you make a lot of noise hiking i have heavy boots uh i don't have like soft steps i just kind of okay. slam my feet down which is probably bad for my knees but who cares okay so there's a lot of clomping a lot of clomping do you vocalize do you say <laughs> do you make hiking noises he has a lot of grunting, <laughs> a lot of heavy breathing. Uh, it's just pretty. It's pretty obvious I'm coming. Yeah, cool. Well, I wish I was as chill as you about the animals, uh, because you know it, many places uh, in Los Angeles, Griffith Park. My wife and I are pretty close to, so we we walk into Griffith Park, and one of the first times I walked into it, you know, they had the sign that's just like "caution snakes." Like, yeah, great. How do I be cautious of snakes? It just felt like a sign that was saying like you might die. Yeah, I mean, there's like, oh, you might die if you go this route, which I remember the first time I went in Griffith Park because there was like a this weird offshoot, and I was like, is this the right way to the observatory? Which it wasn't, and I was walking, and, <laughs> it it was, never and there's like a big sign. I was like, no, for real, you should not. There's, you're gonna die. And you're I was gonna like, die. All right, yeah, all right, I respect that sign. Yeah, and one time, uh, Coyote looked at me like he was considering eating me, and then wow. just decided. I've, nah. ne- I've never seen anything beyond a squirrel in any of my hiking in LA, and like I'm not. I've gone on plenty of hikes. Yeah, I've done the Hollywood sign a few times. Oh, cool. Yeah, so you've done for real hiking. Yeah. Yeah, it was just a pack of coyotes. It was kind of twilight, and they looked at me and my wife Sarah like, "Should we? Are you worth eating?" Yeah. And then they just decided, "Nah." Yeah, I think animals just are afraid of confidence. 
And like, right. I'm so oblivious to the outside world that I, I that can be mistaken as like confidence. Like, well, that dude knows what he's up to. And it's like, no, I just don't realize there's danger. Right. But you, you're just like, you're just too cool to care. And yeah. Like, well, why should we care about that guy? He doesn't care about us. Yeah. Whatever. He's cool. Yeah. And I think just having that healthy respect also, like if I were to come across, like in real life, if I were to come across a black bear or something, I'd just be like, great. And then I'd just like <laughs> turn around and like. I'd leave. Right. Like, I wouldn't be like these idiots in Yellowstone or whatever. Like, oh, I want to get a picture of this buffalo. And they, like, go up right next to it so they can get a selfie. And then they get mauled. I'd be like, oh, we should stay the fuck away from that. <laughs> and then stop. Like, I'm I'm not proud, I guess. So I'm, I'm cool with just stopping. Yeah. And that's, I think, the like, the biggest safety issue for, like, hiking and mountaineering is to just know when to stop. Yeah. that's when a lot of people die, like, climbing Everest. Is yeah. That, like. People will set like a timetable. Like if we if we don't summit by two p.m., we gotta turn back. And people will get like, they'll be like, ah, oh, kind of close, and it's two, and they're like, oh, we could still make it. So then they get up there at like three, and then it's dark, and then they die. Yeah, like they just, just push it when they shouldn't. Yeah, it's a thing that is uh, referred to as summit fever, where you just you just get so obsessed with getting to the top that you kind of completely forget that it's dangerous. Yeah. So have you internalized the idea of summit fever? to lots of things in life i mean you're just moving here to la right la is a place where people have a lot of metaphorical summit fever yeah go 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 to get to the thing yeah have you internalized that from your obsession where you're like i'm gonna stop and think about whether i need to keep going um i actually i, I have i have like internalized and and thought about it like there's these like there's things where, like i could like go do this open mic, go do this showcase and do this things like i i want to and then like oh but i still have like a girlfriend i should spend time with yeah you get like you do have to know when to when to stop so you don't just spread yourself thin where it's like here's eight eighty hours of work you should be doing yeah so uh I think it has uh made me more mindful of my choices in my life yeah that's really cool uh the last how obsessed are you question is yes. a weird one okay if you could not watch or read about mountain disasters <laughs> without you or someone you love first being punched in the crotch would you still watch <laughs> or read about mountain disasters I would I would stop. <laughs> I kind of thought that would be your answer. Yeah. After are there what we people? Just are there people that are like, Nah, my dad will get punched in the dick. Let's. Yep. Uh, a lot of people bargain. A lot of people ask follow up questions. Oh. Uh, and a lot of people uh, make up their own rules to the question. We're like, Yeah, but I have a huge pad, you know, or it's a it's a small child and they don't have punching strength yet. <laughs> people have made up a lot of great answers, but I think oh, after what we just children, talked about, they got those such small fists, so it's like less force, but like less spread out area. So really, oh yeah, so more so possible just yeah. damage. Yeah, so it's like difference between a pencil tip and like a hypodermic needle. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I would have never thought about it that way. But I, I know what you're saying. Uh, and I think that's a totally reasonable answer. Sometimes <laughs> I push on this question, but since we just had a lovely talk about knowing when to stop. Well, yeah. <laughs> I think knowing when to stop, that's, yeah, that's the entertainment industry. Yeah. <laughs> if we're going to be real, I've been thinking about it. You know, I've yeah. been doing stand-up 10 years, and I was like, ah. I know I have friends that are like, oh, they're doing the road. And they're like, oh, I, you know, I did this five-week tour and made, like, three hundred dollars and it's yeah. like no I, I don't want that to be my life so i was like should i should i just quit in minneapolis where like i kind of maxed out minneapolis I was like no you know what i'm gonna move to la for a couple of years and then decide if i want to quit or yeah. not yeah yeah uh, i think that's great and it, it um the the analogy of mountain climbing is is really good 
in general, but now you've given so much more specificity to it, to this is the level at which I'm going to become a jerk. Yeah. This is the level where I'm just going to let other yeah. people die. Yeah. And for the amount of people that like die, there are a lot of people that they're just like, they're just proud they did it. Yeah. Like they got like halfway and turned around. They're like, fuck it. That was pretty dope. Yeah. That's more than most people do. And I'm like, yeah, that's, I think, the healthy way to live. Yeah. I think that's the hardest thing, I'm sure, in many things, but certainly in entertainment, where it is a lot of just ridiculously hard work, is is being honest with yourself about, I am on yeah. this path, I have summit fever, but am yeah. I also in the moment enjoying the thing that I'm doing? Like right. with the tours you were talking about. Like, I think there are people who probably like, I love comedy so much, I don't care that right. I had a couple of crappy gigs and I got 300 bucks. And the other people, I think, who do that in our miserable because it's they're only miserable. summit fever. It's right. only to get to the top. Yeah, and they're in which, and which I was, is it for you? Yeah, and I was talking more about those, you see these these like road dog people that like heavy drinkers and like they clearly hate it, but they just don't they don't know anything else they could do anymore. Right. So it's just kind of an obligation. But like going back to the summit fever thing, like a lot of people that die is because they take a wrong turn or something. So like they still got that summit fever, but they're climbing the wrong trail. Like no matter how hard <laughs> they climb, they were never going to get to the top. And that's, right. And that's a, that I think really speaks to me as the entertainment industry is like you could be putting in your Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours, but like in the wrong place. Right. Which is probably the most terrifying thing. That it's absolutely horrifying. I think because yeah, unlike a sure. mountain, there's no like trail markers. It's just like go until you die <laughs> or quit. <laughs> be like somebody tells you you are climbing Mount Everest, and you walk and you walk and you walk, and then years later you just realize I have been walking across Iowa. This is nowhere near <laughs> yeah. Mount Everest. I did a lot of work, but it has nothing to do with the goal. Yeah, yeah it's terrifying. Well, yeah, or even that is a good metaphor. Like, you're like, you want to climb Mount Everest, but you're not even at the mountain. <laughs> yeah. Like, you just don't have that baseline, whatever you need to make it. Yeah, and you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. Uh, I asked people to make a noise to sum up their obsession. Can you make a noise to sum up your obsession with mountain disasters? Ooh. That's the That's noise. That's it? That's the yeah. noise. Do you literally make that noise when you're reading and watching? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that like, like, I'm like... I can't believe this kind of noise. It's just like a really taking in the the breath of of human experience, yeah, and mortality. Just be like, woof, <laughs> oh, come there on. it is, <laughs> oh boy, nice. Uh, I rate people's obsessions on a scale oh, of one to seven. <laughs> seven? <laughs> yeah, it's just random because I like okay. the number seven. Uh, to give it a little bit of flavor, I usually try to make it, it a thing. Uh, so what's a, what's a mountaineering? object you what was the thing that you we talked about for the show the the clamping thing the pin oh the the crimp the crimp it's like a handhold it would be a type of handhold okay yeah. so out of seven crimps yeah i think that you are 4.5 crimps okay obsessed with mountain disasters and i think you're right there uh, like you're, you're uh, you know higher than middle okay but i think to me it's clearly occupying a lot of your time mm -hmm. but you kind of understand why and okay. you can use it to extrapolate out to other life things and then you right. have hard stops where like yeah no i'm not doing that because i don't want to fight a bear <laughs> yeah but also so much of what you're saying is about knowing when to stop so i it seems to me like if you know when to stop when you're actually mountain climbing if you are able to uh stop on a path that you don't want to be on for the entertainment world yeah that you're probably not going to get like super obsessed to the point where like 
people call you to hang out and you'd be like, I'm sorry, I can't come. I need I mean, to think about mountain disasters. That was me when I was younger. I've missed weddings and funerals for like <laughs> open mics. And just as you get older, you're just kind of like, who cares? No one show is going to make or break you. So like take a day off. Yeah. Yeah. So I just feel like you as a person, you have some stops. You're never going to become too obsessive because that's keeps coming up in our conversation. Yeah. I don't know why. I'm like weirdly like upset that you didn't rate me higher. <laughs> it is so weird the the different ways that people come at the obsession. Like sometimes they feel like when they come on the podcast that they need to know the most. Sometimes they feel like they need to be proved that they're most obsessed. If it's too high, I think sometimes people feel like I'm telling them they have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, everybody's different. It doesn't matter. We would matter. have done this like a year ago. You would have rated me higher. But at some point I did realize, oh, this is a problem. You felt like it was a problem? Yeah. I was I was really into it. What was problematic? What were the moments where you felt like I crossed a line? <sighs> As the amount of time that I think I, I was spending dedicated to it. Like after like several nights in a row just staring at bodies I think was pretty pretty bad. Okay, so um, it was the time, but also the living in that morbid world? Living in that morbid world. Like, I was genuinely, like, having trouble sleeping. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't like thinking about mortality and stuff, so, like, I would have these, like, pictures in my mind of all these dead people. There's other places people die that I was really reading into. Uh, like, have you ever read Into the Woods? No. Or Into the Wild is what it's called. That's another John Krakauer book about Christopher McCandless. I don't know how to pronounce it, but he was, like, this dude... Gave all his money to charity and then just like drove and then hitchhiked his way and then kind of died in this converted bus in okay. the middle of the Alaskan wilderness. So I guess it's just, to some extent, I'm just compelled by people slowly dying. <laughs> it sounds like you might be finding ways. Because you just said you don't like thinking about death. Right. But that's what a lot of this is about. Yeah. So are you just finding trying to find ways to process death? Probably. As a as a kid, I, I was I was terrified of death. Okay, still am. <laughs> Understandably so. It's kind of scary. Yeah, but, uh, but as a kid, I didn't have weed. So now, if I'm thinking too much <laughs> about death, I just smoke weed, and then I'm like, ah, oh, look at this cat. Because where I'm staying, there's a cat. There's named, a cat named Mountain Goat, and I'm like, ah, which is apropos. It's still you're still on. <laughs> I'm Mountain still in Goat. it. You're still, <laughs> still in it. Can't get out. You can't get out. The weed can't get you out. The From cat like, can't get you out. Ah, look at this cat. Because sometimes it likes to step in in your lap and then like put its paws up on your shoulders like it's hugging you. And I'm like, ah, we're never gonna die, Mountain Goat. <laughs> this moment will live on forever. It's you and me forever, MG. <laughs> Uh, is there anything that you want to plug? I certainly want people you to tell people where they can find you on social media because even if you don't like it, I think you're funny <laughs> on social media and Thank other you. people will have a good time following uh, you. Yeah, you can just get up on my name at the <laughs> Facebook, Patrick Sussmelt. I'm on the Twitters. And you, you, you tweet a little bit, right? I tweet a little bit. You guys can't see the face I'm making, but it's a real, it's real, ten- a it's a real tentative, disdainful face. Uh, it's at P sauce melt, which I need to change because that is not easy to find. But no. P S U S M I L C H. I don't know what I would change it to though. Is Patrick available? Patrick sauce melt? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Some dick has sauce melt, and I was like, ah. Oh yeah. They don't even tweet. <laughs> My brother owns saucemelch.com and like he's trying to get me to like buy the domain from him, and I'm like, why are you? Why does your brother on. do anything where he needs a website? No. It's just. Cool to have a website. He just like bought one and then has just been cyber squatting. He's just extorting his family. Yeah. Nice. And he's nice. like, man, it's like 50 bucks. I'm like, no. <laughs> uh, would you tweet more if you were tweeting about mountain disasters? If you just found a way to like say something within 140 characters 
once a day about mountain disasters. About mountain disasters? Yeah. I've never had, like, funny quips. I've always just seen, like, oh, that's fucked up. Or, like... <laughs> I consider that a funny quip. Okay. Well, like 2016 in May, that was uh, one of the more deadly years because the year before, the two years before, kind of Mount Everest was kind of off limits because there was that big uh, earthquake in Nepal that a lot of people died. So, like, no, like, no one did it. Okay. And then finally people started again and then people were dying. Like, people would, like, send me articles about it. And I was like, come on. Like, you think I, you think you're going to come to me (laughs) with Everest related news? I know. I know. Yeah. I have a Google alert. <laughs> cool. Uh, here are some quick plugs for the show, and then we'll have our final questions. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram as at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook as at Obsessed Podcast. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums and stuff, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. You can support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. For as little as $1 a month, you can get access to our monthly patron-only bonus episodes. For full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. Do you have a comedy album? I do. Yeah, you should plug that. Uh, It's called Validate Me. Because that's what I feel like I do every time I go on stage. It's just me yelling, validate me. Uh, you can buy it on iTunes or Amazon if you want to. Yes. I'm going to be honest. I get a very slim margin. So if you want to just listen to it on Spotify, I'm cool with that. You still get validated, right? I still get validated. So right now on Spotify, there's like the number of plays kind of tab. Oh, yeah. And for all the tracks on my album, it just has a less than sign, a thousand, and that really hurts that for whatever reason... <laughs> that is not good for validation. This, co- this computer can't give me actual numbers. It's just like less than a thousand. It's, yeah. So go validate Patrick please, on Spotify. Please validate me on Spotify. Yeah, and while you're there, you can validate me too. Just go validation crazy. Yeah. It'd be great. What Just... Put my album on your desktop before you go to work. Hit repeat. <laughs> Just let it go. Yeah, you don't need to listen to it. Don't listen. Mute it. Yeah. Mute it in the car. It's yeah. fine. There are no little signs on Spotify that say whether people enjoyed it, just whether they listened, yeah. right? Damn um, it. Can I plug one other Oh, thing? absolutely. Uh, I did mention that I'm writing for that uh, sketch show, The Month of March, yeah. every Sunday at 8 at the Del Close Theater at I.O. West. Uh, I believe it's a free show. So, What's the show called? Uh, if you look at it on the website, it's called like uh, Underbite slash the Sunday Sketch Show. Okay, cool. In your your writing sketches, you're not. Performing, I'm writing sketches. Nice. I'm not performing, but I'll be in the back. Yeah, and if you see a mountain disaster sketch, you'll oh, know. I'm trying you're really trying. hard. <laughs> Good. I'm gonna probably pitch one every week until <laughs> they're like, stop. I am thrilled by that. Stop. I don't even know what it'd be. Just person, just like look at all these dead bodies. It sounds like a good premise to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here are our final questions. Uh, they don't have anything to do with your obsession, but they can if you want. If you could hug Matt Damon or Ben Affleck, who oh, would Matt you Damon. hug? Uh, what is your rationale? I don't know. Just Matt Damon seems like a more huggable dude. Yeah. Like Ben Affleck, I feel like he would hug me. Yeah. But I feel, like, I feel like Matt Damon would hug back. Yeah, for you know? sure. Yeah, he would give a little something of himself. Yeah. yeah. Like there'd be like more of an interaction there. Yeah. You know? It's the first time I've tried asking that question. I'm going to ask it a few more times, and I think I'm going to get the same reaction. <laughs> it's Matt Damon every time. If you could hug Matt Damon or Matt Damon. <laughs> you didn't even hear the second part. Could be Neil deGrasse Tyson. Like, yeah, it was Matt Damon still. Oh, still way, way Matt Damon. Neil deGrasse Tyson would correct me on the hug. Yeah, he'd, pro- yeah, he'd probably tweet about how it was wrong. <laughs> His arms were not at the proper angle. Uh, <laughs> if you could turn into an amazingly powerful superhero, but you had to shout a word to make the transformation happen. Oh, God. What word would you shout? No. <laughs> no? No, I'm not. 
No. God, I want to preface this by saying I felt bad, but I thought of the worst word I could think of, and you can probably guess what it is, but it is perhaps a racial slur. Okay. Uh, and that I don't know. Yeah. No, I'm not going to do it. I will just not use my powers. I don't care if people are dying. I like that your instinct was to shout no. Yeah, no. Don't do it. People be like, Pat, we need you. Like, I can't do I can't. You get... And then I say the word, and everyone's like, oh, God. Oh, please don't. But I'm going to do something heroic. But everyone's it doesn't like, matter. Just go. Don't. Just go. And then I get fired from SNL or something. <laughs> but I would love it if you were a superhero who had to shout no. no. And especially like that. of like, no, I don't want to do I don't, this. I hate it. It hurts. <laughs> the final question for everyone on the podcast is, what is happiness? I don't know. I go to a therapist every week to figure this out. What is the current working theory with your therapist? Current working theory theory right now, just trying to be present in the moment. Yeah. Is is what I'm working towards. Cause like earlier when I was at that improv class, I was thinking about this podcast being like, fuck, how am I, am I gonna do it right? Am I gonna talk about it? And then yeah. while I'm here, I'm like, fuck, I got those sketches to write like how to like live in the moment in the current moment yeah well uh, i think you you did a great job on the podcast oh my god yeah. thank you you were exactly uh, uh you, you had insights you were funny uh i learned something and you were just perfectly the right amount of obsessed and i think we all learned something about ourselves yeah yeah and i think that's the goal of all podcasts it is is self discovery <laughs> Thank That's you very what much. Chapo Trap House is about. Did I, pro- did I pronounce that right? Chapo Trapo. Chapo Trapo Trap House. No idea. Yeah. Oh, it's real. It's a huge. It's big. Yeah, I know. It's a big. I haven't listened to it. You know, I see. I see the podcasts. Yeah, but I don't say them out loud to other humans, so I don't know. That's true. Yeah, it's like I don't know if you had this when you, I don't know if you went to college. I did, I did briefly, and you could tell like who was the, like the the kid that came from like a small town and was smart, but like book smart because they pronounce words wrong because <laughs> they didn't have anyone to teach them they learned on their own so they're just reading yeah you can always tell uh, if somebody played dungeons and dragons because they will be super smart and mm-hmm. then they'll say a specific set of words incorrectly because they were playing dungeons and dragons when they were children and didn't know better like what like when people say the word melee is melee you will know that that is a super smart person who played yeah. Dungeons and Dragons when yeah. they were 12. I used to play a lot of like computerized Dungeons and Dragons, like Baldur's Gate and stuff. Were you into that? No. Ugh. But yeah, you would see like, it would be like M-E-L-E-E with like an accent. Like, what? What, what is that? Like when I, when I was first reading the old Harry Potter books before they were movies, Hermione, I was just like, Hermione. <laughs> Did you just blur it in your head? Yeah. Like, like, Herm- Herm- like I think literally every time I was like, Hermione. Hermione. <laughs> it took me 18 years to read those books because I did the same thing. Yeah. yeah. I read the first two books. And for a while, I could say I read all of them. And then they got popular. And I was a real dickbag kid. So I was like, fuck this shit. Now that's popular. And now as a 30-year-old, I'm on an airplane with my Kindle. Just be like, oh, my God, Harry, are you going to make it? And like, when, I know he does. Yeah. Yeah. When you're reading Harry Potter, are you in the moment? Yeah. When I read, I'm in the moment. It's one of the things I do to... Uh, Help deal with my anxiety and stuff. Something about reading really takes up my brain space. Cool. It really helps. So that is another form of happiness for you then. Yeah. Reading about mountain disasters. Reading about mountain disasters. You're right there in the moment. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Before mountain disasters, I was really into Alexander Hamilton uh, because of the musical. And I already liked American history because I was super into it. There's like, there's this dumb cartoon show on PBS called Liberty's Kids that I used to watch. It was like a, it was like a cartoon, but about the American Revolution, (laughs) which it was really interesting how they'd get around all the bloodshed. 
they would show like battle scenes and then they just cut to like muskets hitting the ground yeah and be like, oh people died and they're like kids anyway yeah Walter Cronkite played Benjamin Franklin. This was a while ago. He's dead now. <laughs> I think that is the yeah. perfect beat to end the podcast on. He's dead now. Walter Cronkite is dead. Thank you very much. That is our podcast. <laughs> Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Obsessed. Alexander Hamilton is also dead. <laughs>